Okay, folks, we are in Lesson 12 today, so we're going to finish up Exodus. We're going to finish up Exodus. Next week, we're going to go into Leviticus, and many a men have died in Leviticus when they've tried to read through the Bible, okay? But we're going to take Leviticus in about three to four weeks. We'll have one week of introduction, which will be next week, and then possibly two or three lessons that will cover all of Leviticus for you. And we're going to give it to you in palatable portions so that if you do read it, you'll understand where it's going, okay? And then after that, we'll hit Numbers, okay? The book of Numbers. But today we want to talk about the final chapters. We're going to look at chapters 35 through chapter 40 of Exodus. And again, we're not going to read through these passages but I'm just going to give you an overview of what you're going to find in these passages. And then at the end, we are going to break up into groups as we normally do and discuss a couple of questions uh, for you to be thinking about that come out of the passage. Okay, You're thinking, well, it's just law and dedication. Well, there's some things that come out that have ap application for, your, for our lives. Okay, And we'll talk about them as we go. So first of all, in chapters 35 verses 1 through chapters 36 through verse 7, we see the preparation for the building, okay? So before God gave the instructions of how and what he wanted built, okay? Now when you come to chapter 36, you're going to see that they're getting ready to prepare for the building, okay? So Moses gathered the people together and reiterated the importance of keeping the Sabbath. All right, I'm, I don't know if you've noticed, but as we've gone through Exodus, it seems like every time God tells them to do something, okay, he has to stop and tell them the importance of keeping the Sabbath. Why do you think that is? You understand what keeping the Sabbath is, right, to a Jew. You can't work from Friday evening until Saturday evening. That's the Sabbath. Okay? Because you're to keep that day holy. So why do you think he's got to, every time he tells them something to do, or gets ready to tell them something to do, or gets ready for the work that they're going to do, he has to reiterate to them the Sabbath. doesn't take long to think about why. Why do you think it is? Okay, they need rest. Okay, yeah. Okay, that, that's good. Something else. No, no, they because he, the Sabbath wasn't reiterated while they were in captivity. Okay, so they just are used to working all the time. Okay, that's good, Tim. Anybody else? Yep, it's his example. Okay, so he's wanted to remind him of his example. Denny? All right, keep that day holy in prayer. Okay, all right. All right, honor. Okay, that's good. All right, think for a moment. If you are doing a task and you've got to get this done, isn't it just natural for you to just plow on through to get it done, right? How many of you would say, oh, I'm not going to take a break. I'm not going to stop because that's just going to prolong it. Let's just get it done. Let's just plow on. Do you know what I'm saying? They've got to be reminded because they're human beings. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're human beings, and they're going to keep 
doing what they have to do and not do what they're supposed to do. So God's got to remind them. But there's other reasons why he's reminding them. The Sabbath was a sign of the covenant the Lord made with Israel. Okay? The Sabbath was a sign of the covenant the Lord made with Israel. Actually, there's two signs that I want you to realize. The one was with Abraham that all males were to be what? Circumcised. Okay, that was a sign of the covenant he made with Abraham. But the sign of the covenant that he made with Israel himself at Sinai, the sign of that was what? The Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath. Do you understand? It was a sign of the Mosaic covenant. Okay? Keeping the Sabbath. Now, he urged the people to voluntarily give the material for the tabernacle as an offering to the Lord. So they've got to build this tabernacle, but the Lord says, okay, I want the people to give the material to build this thing. So I want the people to give the material and the resources to build this thing, and they're to give it as an offering to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? As an offering to me. Now, this is where we get the concept of like when we take up an offering in a service. You might say, well, that's my dues. Now, we don't have dues for being a part of a church. You understand? It's really your gift to God, which the church then takes and uses for service to him. Do you understand? And that the roots of that go all the way back to here, back to Israel and making the offering to the Lord to build the tabernacle. That's where the roots of the offering is that we have here. It's your gift to God, which is used for ministry. All right? Used for ministry. Now, <clears throat> the people willingly committed themselves to the project by offering their goods and services. So what you're going to see here is that they, they didn't feel com compelled to do this. Oh, Moses is asking for another offering. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's not like this at all. It's that he did it, they did it willingly, without compulsion. Do you understand? They did it to honor God. In fact, isn't that interesting? When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, it talks about giving there and giving that the Lord wants from his people is giving that is done voluntarily, not by compulsion. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Not that you feel forced to give, but that you give willingly on your own as the Lord guides you to give, not because somebody told you to give. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I've experienced that. I remember going to a church where, I mean, no lie, there were probably three offerings or more a day. What do you mean? There was a Sunday school offering. Then there was the regular offering during the service. Then, of course, we had to take a love offering for the missionary or guest speaker. And then on the way out, the ushers would be there for a loose change offering, because literally that's all you had in your pocket was loose change after all the three other offerings. And it got to the place where I would quit bringing my wallet. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because 
you felt compelled to give that. But that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants you to give willingly, willingly to the Lord. And the people were willing to commit themselves to the project by offering their goods. Okay, so notice now he's also gifting people. So we have a couple of Hebrew names here. So I'm going to try these, okay? The Lord gifted Bezalel and Ohelib and other artisans with the spirit to build the tabernacle. Now the spirit there is referring to the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So he gifted these individuals as well as other artisans or craftsmen with the ability to build these intricate things of the tabernacle. Okay? So he gifted these folks. Now here's the interesting thing. This is what blows my mind. Okay? So when you look at chapters 36, 2 through 7, it's an amazing verse. It only happens one other time. It happens with in the book of Isaiah where King Hezekiah had to do the same thing, Moses commanded that the people stop bringing material to the tabernacle. Have you ever been told by a preacher to quit giving? Really think about that for a moment. That's what's going on here. Moses has said, okay, we got enough material, quit bringing it. Hezekiah did the same thing in the revival in Israel during his reign as king. He had to tell them to quit bringing material for the refurbishing, for the, for the renovation, for the, for the upkeep of the temple. God had so moved his people to give that Moses had to tell them, stop giving. That's, that's just wild, isn't it? Think about that. Moses commanded that the people stop bringing the material to the tabernacle. And the material was given to the artisans or the craftsmen to begin the construction. Okay, so they are now beginning the construction. So when you come to chapters 36, verse 8, through chapters 39, verse 31, you're going to see the building of the tabernacle. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here going through the intricate details of every little thing that they did. So I'm going to just break this down for you. First of all, I'm going to make a statement because you're going to notice something if you've already read through it before. The sequence of constructions differs from the order of commands to build in chapters 26. So when you look at chapter 26 and you see the command of the Lord to build these things, there that's one order, but then when they actually sat down to build it, they did everything the Lord told them to do, but they didn't do it in the order of things that he had said. And that's because the way he said it wasn't necessarily order the way that it had to be done. Okay? So let's take a look at what we're looking at here. What did they do? All right, chapters 36, 8 through 38, they built the tabernacle structure. Okay, so that's the outer walls, the gate, the, the curtains of the outer walls, and the tent or the tabernacle itself. Okay, chapters 37, w verse 1 through chapters 38, verse 8, the tabernacle furnishings. So that would be the table of showbread. 
that would be the golden lampstand, the altar of incense, the ark itself with the mercy seat. Okay? So that's what they would be working on in that portion there. The tabernacle courtyard. So that's the things that are in the tabernacle courtyard. You see that in chapter 38, verses 9 through 20. Then, verse chapter 38, verses 21 through 31, they give you an inventory of the construction material that was given. All right, so they basically are listing to you all that was given to the for the construction. And then in chapters 39, verses 1 through 31, you see the making of the priest's garment. That's the what the high priest would wear and what the ephods that the other priests would wear, the sons of Aaron would wear in the tabernacle. Okay? So that's what we see there. All right, so now we're going to talk about the completion of the tabernacle where we see that in chapters 39, verse 32 through 43. All right, so here's what I want you to see. When the when the work was, should be was, not were, was completed, the people brought them to uh, Moses for his inspection and blessing. When the work was completed, the people brought them to Moses for his inspection and blessing. So here's what they did. They did all the work. And to make sure that it was okay, they brought it to Moses and said, Moses, is this okay? Can, do we have your blessing? Is everything the way it should be? Okay? Now, so because the craftsmen were meticulous, had meticulously followed the Lord's commands, Moses approved the work. So what they're saying here is that because the craftsmen, the artisans, were so meticulous in following the Lord's commands, Moses approved the work, so it was blessed. All right? It was blessed. Now we come to chapters 40, verses 1 to 33, and we're going to see the completion of the temple. All right? So verses 1 to 16 says the tabernacle is assembled. So the tabernacle was erected about a year after Israel's departure from Egypt. Isn't this interesting? Remember? They came to Mount Sinai three months after they left Egypt, remember? Now, one year after they left Egypt, they're still at Sinai, so think about that. They've been on the plains in front of this mountain for nine months, and on that one-year mark, they erect the tabernacle. Okay, so they erect this place. One year. The tabernacle and everything in it was consecrated or set aside for holy use. So the tabernacle itself and everything in it was consecrated. And so the passage tells you how they did that. That means it was set aside for holy use. Aaron and his sons went through a process of washing, dressing, and anointing. So they had to put on these garments, but before that they had to wash. Then they had to dress, and then they were anointed with oil. Remember the oil that God specified that was to be used for anointing purposes. 
This was necessary for the priesthood to serve God and the people in the sanctuary. Okay? This was necessary for the people to serve God, I mean, for the priesthood to serve God and the people in the sanctuary. Okay? So this was necessary. Now, what I want you to notice now is the fulfillment of God's commands. The writer records seven times that Moses did exactly as the Lord commanded. Okay? So when you look at this passage, you're going to count seven different statements that are made that basically says that Moses did exactly what the Lord commanded. Do you understand? So it's stressing here Moses' obedience, okay? Moses' obedience. And then the testimony or the two tablets. Remember the testimony? Those are the two, two stone tablets that God engraved the Ten Commandments on. That's referred to as the testimony. Those two tablets then were placed into the ark, okay? They were placed into the ark, and we're going to see as we go on that other things will be placed into the ark as well. Okay? We're going to see that as we go on. Now, we come to the final part, which is chapter 40, verse 34 to 38, and that's where God's presence shows up. Okay? That's where God now dwells. Remember, why did he create the tabernacle? So that he could what? Yeah, dwell with his people. Okay? So here's what we see in chapter 40, verse 34 through 38. The cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of God filled it. In fact, it was so intense that Moses himself, it's recorded here in this passage, could not enter into the tabernacle while this was happening. Isn't that amazing? The cloud covered, that's the pillar of cloud, it covered the tabernacle, and the glory of God filled it. Okay? The glory of God filled it. Now, it, the passage goes on and tells you that when the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, Israel would go onward in their journey. So here's what I want you to see. Whenever the cloud moved, they were to what, folks? Move. So when the cloud came to rest, it would rest upon... The tabernacle. So it would be the pillar of cloud during the day, pillar of fire at night, right there where the tabernacle is. But whenever the cloud would move, the people were to move. And that's the way it would be until they would come to where? Canaan. Okay? Canaan. All right. 